I just have to tell you, I've been reminded again today, I love coming to church here. I hope you do too. <clears throat> I want to begin today by telling you about Teresa and my first child. Actually, our first child was a dog. After we got married, we went out and uh, rescued a dog from a pet shop. It's not the end thing to do these days to go to a pet shop and buy a dog. You're supposed to rescue one from a shelter. But uh, this was a different day and age. And we went and bought our first child, a dog, a Brittany Spaniel to be exact. We named him Chaucer. And uh, he was a great dog. Very smart. Used to do a lot of things. I used to take him running with me back in the day when I used to run a lot. And we lived up in the panhandle of Texas and uh, out on a farm and uh, these were you know those were big commercial farms and so they would be mile upon mile of just crops and every half a mile they would have a turn row and uh, so it's great running in those days and I used to take Chaucer out with me now he's a Brittany Spaniel which means that he's a bird dog and one of the things that Chaucer used to love to do as I was running through those farms uh, the fields was uh, he would go out in front of me probably about 20 or 30 yards, and then he would just sweep across, and I, he would disappear into the, into the crops, whether it was cotton, soybean, or, or corn, depending on what season it was. And he would disappear, and then in a few minutes I would see him, he'd sweep back across the road in front of me and onto the other side and just back and forth, and birds would fly up every once in a while. And it was a great thing. Uh, a dog in his environment and me running, it was just one of those soul therapy kind of uh, set of moments for me. And one day as I was running with Chaucer like that, he swept across in front of me and he got to the edge of the road and he turned around to look at me. And in horror, I saw that as he turned to look at me, there was a car that was coming towards us. And Chaucer did not look both ways. That's one of the things that we're taught early on in life, right? Look both ways. Well, Chaucer didn't look back the other direction. He looked at me, saw that I was still there, and he went across, and he ran right in front of the car. And the car just rolled him, went right over the top of him. And by the time I could get to where he was, he was already in shock. And I will tell you that this is one of those dog run over stories that ended well or well enough. It did not kill him. But I could tell immediately that he had broken his hip and that things were not well with my dog. Because I was out running, I was a long ways from home, and I certainly couldn't pick him up and carry him. I had to run back to the house and get the car and go and get him. And for the next several weeks, we nursed Chaucer into some kind of recovery. But Chaucer never was the same after that. His hip was broken. He never ran again, as far as I know. I don't ever remember seeing him go out and run and do the things that came natural to him as a dog because... The failure to look both ways cost him something. Happy New Year. We are at that time of the year where we stand. And I know that it's, it's a, I call it plastic. It's a fake kind of a thing for us. The reality is that tomorrow will come just like every other Monday comes, just like every other day of the year comes. There's nothing really that significant that happens as far as uh, the world around us. But when we come to the new year time of reference, it is like turning a page in a book and going from one chapter into the next. And so we mark time by the year. And so that's why we make a big deal of New Year's Eve and New Year's because it's that, it's that fake transition 
that gives us the opportunity to make real transition in our lives. I, I am, the, the reality is that I am asked on a regular basis, what year were you born in? And if I was born today, it would be different on the piece of paper the rest of my life than if I was born tomorrow. You see what I'm saying? It's a plastic kind of a thing, but we mark time with this transition. I want you to go with me in your head, if you will, to a very real scene. By the way, we're going to be in the book of Joshua chapter 1. If it's going to take you a little bit to find it, please turn there. and We'll be there shortly. But I want to take you in, in your mind to a very real scene that happens as we come into the book of Joshua chapter 1. Imagine this young commander. Well, he's probably not that young at this particular point. Middle-aged, maybe we would call him, maybe a little on the, on the younger end of middle-aged. But Joshua, the great commander, the, the heir apparent to Moses, the great leader of the children of Israel. And Joshua has been the commander of their army. And he has fought battles. He's battle-hardened by now. He understands something about leadership. And as we come to the opening of the book of Joshua, we, we get this picture, if you will, and it's as Joshua makes the transition. And in the process of this transition, he has to look both ways. He has to look backward for some context and for some certainties about some things, but he's got to look forward with perspective. So here's this military commander now who is about to become the leader of the children of Israel. And he stands there and he looks across the Jordan River down in the area of the Dead Sea where Jericho is even to this day, that ancient city. Joshua finds himself on the other side, not the promised land side, but on the wilderness side, modern-day Jordan. And as he looks across that river, he sees as only a commander can see, he sees a string of battles that await him and his people. When you stand on this precipice of a new year and you look into 2018 with all of the promise that it holds, both good and bad, what do you see and what do you need as you move forward, whether it's in business or in relationships or your jobs, uh, what do you see as you go forward? Spiritually, what do you see? What do you need as you look forward? I can only imagine Joshua as he looks across and he sees this, this impenetrable fortress called Jericho, strategically located where it was to block those invading armies who might come across. I wonder what Joshua the commander thought as he saw that city. And its walls. And as he looked beyond that into the Judean wilderness, into the high country where Jerusalem is now located, I wonder what he saw and I wonder what went through his mind as he looked at that and saw nothing other than a series of battles to get what God had promised them. It's kind of like standing on the precipice of a new year, I think. What do you need? Well, one of the things we need to do, and this is the premise of the whole message today, is we need to pause to look both ways. 2017 has been an interesting year, for my family at least. I was sitting outside this morning about 5.30. Nice crisp morning. By the way, nobody warned me about these brutal West Texas winters when you called me here. Man, 70 degrees at the end of December is hard to beat as far as I'm concerned, but it was a little more crisp than that this morning sitting outside 
on our new back porch. And as I sat out there, I was processing through the backward look of 2017. You know, it was just a week, a year ago, this week, in the week coming up, it's been one year since I got first contact with somebody about the fact that this church was looking for a pastor. So in other words, a year ago today, I was oblivious as to what might come in 2017. How are you a year ago today? What has transpired in your life over the last year? I'll come back to that reflection in just a few moments, but as we consider the backward look, and this time of the year, the media really helps us with that. They give us their top stories of the year, and they give us those reminders of things that have happened. I was listening to the radio yesterday, and they were reminding us of some of the great uh, entertainers who died over the course of the year. This is the season that we look backwards. But we also need to look forward. And as we look forward, I don't know if you're one of those resolution kind of people, make a New Year's resolution. I'm always intrigued with the conversations that happen this time of the year with people. And I ask, so do you make resolutions? No, I don't make resolutions. I just, you know, I just break them. Well, that's like saying I'm not going to eat anymore because I'm just going to get hungry again. We look forward. It's a great time because we we do have that opportunity, even though it's just a plastic date change. It is one of those things that marks time for us, and it's a good time for us to look forward, whether you make resolutions or set goals or just try to do some things differently in the new year. This is a good day for us to consider those things. We need to look both ways. So in Joshua chapter 1, the first nine verses, we find one of those clear changes that occurs. As we work through this today, I'm going to give you three different principles that we draw from these first nine verses that help us to look both ways. Because I don't want you to be like my dog was, to fail to look one of the strategic directions that you need to in order to keep from falling into some kind of a situation that will forever cripple you in the way you live your life. Three great principles for a new year as we look both ways today. Let's read Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, 
And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Three great principles for us as it relates to looking both ways on the page turner of a year as we go through this day. Here's the first one. Great principle to build your life around. God gives clear direction. Joshua looks backward. Now, it's it's kind of between the lines here in this passage. But I want to make sure that we pause long enough to get it from between the lines because there is clearly a backward reference, a backward look that occurs as we come into this passage. Joshua is encouraged to look backward. Verse 1 and verse 2, two different times the writer of the book of Joshua tells us that God reminded Joshua that Moses was dead. It is a time of transition for them. Moses is dead, and just that statement, even only one time, much less twice, just that statement would have pushed Joshua to look backwards, to be sure. And then verse 3 gives us a little perspective. He says, just as I promised to Moses. How had God revealed himself? Let me say that a different way. How had Joshua experienced and witnessed God's clear direction with that backward look at this moment. Well, the writer emphasizes Moses and the fact that Moses is now off of the scene. If I had time this morning, and I don't, so I'll just encourage you to go in your own study, go back and and do a, a biography kind of a study, a character study on Joshua, and go back and pick up the first time and the first two or three times that we find Joshua mentioned in Scripture. Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. And because he was Moses' right-hand man, one of the things that we find with him is that Joshua would follow Moses, especially to those times when Moses would go into the tent of meeting where God would show up and Moses and God would would work together. There's a little, just almost a backhanded statement in Scripture that says, and Joshua stood guard outside the tent while Moses met with God inside. No doubt, Joshua understood as he watched Moses, his mentor and his leader, as he heard God give to Moses these directions about where the children of Israel should go. Joshua, also looking backwards, would have been reminded of those times in the wilderness when God clearly directed the children of Israel as far as when they should get up and go and when when they should stop and where they should go because he sent this pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Joshua by this time had a long history of getting clear direction from God as it relates to what he did. But Joshua also looks forward and sees this same truth. Look again at this passage. Look at verse 2 especially. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, now let me just stop the reading and insert this. Now, therefore, God says, I'm going to give you some direction. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving them to the people of Israel. This is clear direction. Joshua, the new leader, The new unquestioned leader of the children of Israel has that backward glance that shows God's clear direction, but now he hears for himself. Now he's the one to whom God speaks and says, here is the direction, here's where you go. 
Verses 3 and 4 help even more with that. I'm not going to take the time to read it again, but we can go through that and find clearly that as Joshua looks forward, there is direction from God about what needs to happen. So what about you and me and us as we stand now perched between two years? What do you see? As you look backwards, can you see the clear hand of God and the direction in your life? I won't give you all the details again, but it's pretty well rehearsed around here. The direction that God gave me and Teresa between this time last year and this time today. Otherwise, I'd still be living in East Texas, suffering through real winter instead of being out here in paradise. Can you see God's direction in your life as you look backward? This new year tradition that we have gives us a great opportunity to look backwards, to pause, to just kind of hit the pause button on our lives and look backwards and see God's direction in our lives. We can say this with full assurance. Just like God did with Joshua and Moses, he does with us. And that is that God takes us into the future with clarity purpose. God's plan for your life is not some big secret. God doesn't hold on to it and hold it tight and say, boy, I just wish you could know what I want for you. God clearly reveals to us at the appropriate time the plans, the directions that he has for us in life. What do you see in your life today? This has been a year of incredible change for our family the move, some of the events since the move, both mine and Teresa's mother's new diagnosis of cancer. We've seen other things in our extended family, some of which are really great and some of which are not so great. But through every step of the way, we've been able to trace the hand of God and to see that he is clearly at work and working with purpose in the lives of his people. It's been a year of incredible change for our church also as we look backward. We accepted, you did, accepted the resignation, the retirement of one of your staff members. You went through the process two different times and called two new staff members. You know what? Those are, those are major steps in the life of any church, especially, you know, in this case, Dan was here on staff for many, many years uh, touched many hundreds of lives of teenagers and their parents. Uh, that's a big thing. As you look backwards through the course of our church life over the year 2017, can you see God's hand in that? Can we stand here today like you probably stood here a year ago and look backwards and see, okay, God still seems to be working through the life of First Baptist Church? We have to look backwards. We have to have that backward look. And as we do that, we will find that this church had funerals, some of them very uh, difficult funerals for us as a church. We've involved ourselves in many ministries over the last year. And as we look forward, we have to answer the question, what next? This is a weird time of the year for us because we look backwards and it does something for us. Sometimes it's emotionally draining for us. We also look forward, and there's that sense of unknown that says, okay, so what happens in the year ahead? What funerals will we have this year? 
What do you see? And one of the things that we have to see and we have to keep coming back to, and that is that God always gives clear direction for his people. What do you see? One of the things that I would say to you as an action plan that comes out of that principle is, if we believe that God gives clear direction for his children, both individually and collectively, then it makes sense that one of the key pieces of everyday life in the year ahead is that we position ourselves to hear his direction. Elvin did a great job this morning helping to bring that truth to us in a way that hits our worship and especially the music part of it, which is where he started, but it went way down into the roots of how we live our everyday lives. We have to position ourselves to hear what God has to say, or we may well miss his direction. This morning as I sat out on the back porch, um, I was, it was just great. I, I like early mornings. I like the quietness of it, the neighborhood's quiet and all those things. And one of the things I like about El Paso is the big sky, even at night. And uh, so I sat out there. 5.30 or so this morning, and I, I was watching these jets that go overhead as they're making their way, I guess, from the west coast to the east. I don't know where they're going. But I was watching this one as it just came off of the horizon. It was coming, it was going to fly right over our house. And so I was watching that, and I was thinking through some of the things tied to just that. I'm a simple-minded guy, I guess. But, uh, and so as it was coming almost overhead, not quite, Teresa opened the back door, and her dog came outside. And it was a distraction for me. And so I turned around because I had my back to the door. You never know who's sneaking up on you, but when you're a preacher, you learn to be careful about that. And so I turned around. I saw trees come out. The dog came out. And all of that took about 15 seconds. And, and after that was all said and done, I looked back, and I looked back up into the sky, and the plane was gone. Well, it wasn't gone. It was just past me by that time. And it's like the voice of God said to me, now, Mark, you see, that's how your life is. Hear me very carefully now, because I think you're a lot like me about this. If we're to position ourselves to hear what God has to say to us, we need to make sure that we pay attention, because just like that, something in our life will distract us from hearing the voice of God, and the moment will be 15 seconds long, but we may have missed a great opportunity to hear something that God had to say to us at that moment. We, we let all kinds of distractions into our lives that tear us away from hearing the voice of God. So if you are a resolution kind of a person, and if you're not, if you're a goal setter kind of a person, or if you're not, if you're just kind of going through life hoping everything happens, be intentional this year. No matter which category you fall into, be intentional this year to hear the voice of God for you. And I'll assure you from the pastor side and the staff end of First Baptist Church, we intend to be intentional to listen for the voice of God about what we do. Here's a second principle, and I'm clearly going to run out of time, so let me get it, and I'll try to hit it fairly quickly. Second principle that I find here, as we look both ways, is that we see that God supplies for the needs of his people. It's one thing to say that God gives clear direction. It's another thing to say that as he gives us that direction, as he takes us where he takes us, that we can count on him supplying for the needs of his people. Go back to Joshua and the backward look here. 
Remember, the scenario is he's on some, probably some bluff overlooking the promised land. That's all conjecture at this point, but we know that Joshua has the past and the future on his mind. Moses is dead. But that backward look for Joshua at this point and the Moses is dead part of it comes back to us. What did Israel need in order to get out of, the prom, out of Egypt and slavery? Well, apparently, they needed God's help because God went through a series of plagues that still caused people to go, man, that's amazing. Don't forget that Joshua was part of that scenario. What needs did Israel have at the Red Sea? Elvin talked a little bit about this one too. That God just split the Red Sea open so the children of Israel could get across. And Joshua, with that backward look, continues to see that God had supplied his people for the needs that they had. What did they need while they were in the wilderness? What did Joshua, what point of reference did Joshua have looking backwards as to God supplying needs? He was one who went out and gathered up some of that manna. He was one of the ones who drank more than once from that water that came from a rock in the middle of nowhere. Joshua had a rich history of personally benefiting from God supplying for their needs. And he looks forward. Go back to that lookout point. What did he need as he looked forward to battles that seemed unwinnable? Some of those battles that Joshua faced didn't have anything to do with fortified cities like Jericho. Any of us who are in any kind of leadership with people recognize that some of the greatest battles we fight are with the knuckleheads that we live with. Excuse me, did I say knuckleheads? I just thought I was thinking. Some of the biggest battles we fight are with within. What do you need from God? As we go into a new year, knowing that God will take us places that we might not ever choose to go on our own, what do we need from him? Whatever it is at the final analysis when push comes to shove and the need is in front of us and something has to give, we can be sure of this. God always supplies the needs of his children. Let me quickly jump to the last one. There's more that could be said about that, but let's get this one also, the last principle that I find. By the way, that's verses 5 and 6, what we just got through talking about. Here's the final principle. God always works to grow our faith. Now, see, this is the part that gets to us a little bit because we like the easy road most of the time. And it's great for us to look at the children of Israel in the Red Sea and how God just miraculously steps in and splits it open and they go across and then miraculously lets it go back and washes all of Pharaoh's threat away. But here's a good question for you. If you happen to be one of those people who approaches Scripture with a thinking kind of an analysis thing, here's a good question for you. Why did God wait until Pharaoh was bearing down on them with his chariots before he did that splitting of the Red Sea? Because they'd been there for a while. They'd been there long enough by that time that some of the people there were already complaining about Moses and why he had led them out there to die. Why didn't God just split it before they ever got out so that they could get across in good, leisurely fashion? My experience with God, as I look backwards, is that sometimes 
God delays the supply long enough to get my attention about the need. Some of us today are living in the middle of a great season of need. Maybe it's health issues, clearly relationship issues, any number of needs in our life beg God to respond quickly. But sometimes God pauses in the supply. Ever wonder why? I mean, after all, he knew that they were going to be there. He knows that you're going to have the needs that you have. Why doesn't he just make it happen so that we don't have to worry about it? And the answer is in what I just said. Because if we're worried about God following through with this promise, then that means we have some room to grow in our trust of God. Where is God going to take us as a church this year? We don't know that, do we? I could ask you the question that I asked several people when I was on the way out here. What, what, where is this church going to be in 10 years? Let me ask it a better way now. Where is this church going to be in 10 days? You know, there could be world events that could happen in the next 24 hours that would change the face of this church 10 days from now. Where is God going to take us? And the answer is we don't know. So we trust. If God, by looking backwards, if we can be confident that God has brought us to this point, we can be equally confident looking forward that he did not bring us this far just to drop us now. God is still at work. This city still needs a church that will stand for the cause of Christ and bring life. Not just one church, but hundreds of churches. And this city has churches like that. We must be one of those churches. But we make that decision today, just like we'll have to make it tomorrow and the next day. But we do so knowing that whatever battles are out there, we slip in and we settle in to a confident assurance that God has not brought us here just to abandon us. That's true in your life also. No matter what's going on, no matter what the year holds for you, God still promises to take you through it. The question is, will we trust him to do that? There will be plenty of opportunity for failed courage in the year to come. We choose to trust. Well, at least I do, and I'm pretty sure you do too. But we'll have to remember that tomorrow and the next day and the next day and every single day, which brings me back to where Elvin was in the worship service part of it. When we begin our day with worship, it's easier to finish our day in trust. Let's pray. And as we pray, let me bring this message home for you as best I can. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then all the stuff that I've talked about today is just theory for you. You see, God steps into the reality of our lives, but he comes with an offer of life to us. That life only comes through Jesus Christ. 
If you know him, then the resource of God is available to you in ways like we find with Joshua. If you don't know Jesus Christ, that's where you start. So let me just put that invitation out here for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way and have that life-changing relationship with him that he offers, then today and this time of invitation would be a great time for you to begin that relationship. Maybe it's a good time for you whoever you are, whatever you're going through, maybe it's a great time for you to stop for a moment, look backwards, and then look forward and intend to go into a new year with a commitment with Jesus Christ and to let him be Lord and director of your life. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, maybe you're looking for a church home. I can tell you, this is a great church, highly recommended. Maybe you ought to join. Been visiting in a while, maybe you ought to make this your home. Whatever God's dealing with you about, whatever decision it is, now's the time. Father, use this time. Glorify your name in it. Change lives is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, please.